welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. I want to open up your Bible to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. We will also be turning our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. So those are our two places in our Bible that we're going to be looking at. Now this is a message I've been looking forward to preaching because I believe it applies so much for today. And the title of this is really asking a question for us personally, examining our heart. Who are you following? Because uh, we, whether we want to admit it or not, we, the people we're following, are those we listen to, those we devote our time to, and we have to always stop and step back and, and, and evaluate and say, well, I, I'm spending all the hours of my day and my week who and what am I listening to? And what this message is about is going to teach us about how if we aren't careful, we will be listening to the spirit of the devil, to the spirit of deceitfulness, to the spirit of just this world all around us. And the Bible tells us to test the spirits. Do you know, we won't turn there, but before you turn in your Bible here, there's a Bible verse that tells us in the Bible, there's, I believe there's 22 spiritual gifts. And one of those spiritual gifts is actually found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. It's called distinguishing between the spirits. Or many people will say that's discernment. That's being able to tell, is this truthful? Is this right? Is this wrong? wrong? And understanding what's the motives behind that. And... That for us in our Christian walk, in our relationship with the Lord, is uh, so important for us to be able to say, am I listening to God or am I just listening to this uh, worldliness all around? So that's what we're going to be. And the Bible actually is so clear on how to distinguish between the spirits. And then we're going to see how we can apply it here in 2023. Uh, today how to apply this so you're in your bibles here at first john chapter 4 verse 1 dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see if they are from god because many false prophets have gone out into the world so this is going to be our main verse we're going to be looking at the bible is telling us that part of being a believer is learning to test the spirits. Now, when we hear the word spirits, what are we talking about? Are we talking about ghosts? Are we talking about uh, just uh, you get a knock on your door and someone's there uh, talking to you about the Lord? I think this, what they mean by spirit is uh, the atmosphere and the voices, the TV, the internet, the communication you are receiving. So you go to work, you go to school, you come to church, you turn on the radio, everywhere we go, we are being bombarded by uh, sounds, we're being bombarded by messages, we're being bombarded by uh, our ears are listening, and you're listening to all of this stuff, our surroundings. And we, there has to be some filter we run this through as Christians. We have to have a worldview to view all of these things we're hearing. Because we know we're, we're being bombarded by this stuff. So the Bible's telling us there are false, prophet, false prophets. 
that means there are people out there. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about uh, crazy YouTube preachers who are just leading people astray. I'm talking the spirit of false prophecy is when you just turn on the TV or you watch Netflix and you're hearing people talk about God or you're hearing people tell you how you need to think and live and it might not line up, many times it doesn't line up with the Bible. And they're telling you as a Christian how you should live and what you should do Yet that's contrary to God's Word. That is a false spirit for us. That's a false prophecy. I'm going to show you that in the Bible here in a little bit. Verse 2. This is how you know the Spirit of God. There's a lot of folks who talk about God. So here's how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Now remember, when we say the spirit of the Antichrist, we're talking about the spirit of the devil. That with, throughout this whole book of 1 John, you hear about the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist is the worldliness all around us. It's the worldly system that just leads people down a stream away from the Lord. The Antichrist, whom we see in Revelation chapter, reveals in Revelation chapter 13, he is coming in the book of Revelation, in the end times, in the, during tribulation. That will be a person. Now, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the all Antichrist is all around us. It says here, but this, the spirit of the Antichrist does not confess the Lord which you have heard is coming, even now is already in the world. means this Spirit's already here. Anytime you listen to a lie, you are listening to the Spirit of the Antichrist. That is the devil. That started all the way back in the Garden of Eden when Eve listened to the talking serpent. You are from God. So there's a contrast he's making here for us. You're from God, little children and have conquered, and you have conquered them. Meaning that's no longer your old life. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is world. We cling to that verse. Christ is greater than this world. Whatever this world has to offer, Jesus is better. Jesus is more. Jesus has conquered. That is the Spirit of the Lord whom we cling to. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. This is why it is... Folks, you're going to go home, and you're going to turn on your TV this afternoon, or this evening, and you are going to be listening to worldliness. That is it. Then there, There's this voice, the world listens to them. You are going to open up your Facebook app, and you're going to be listening to worldliness. There it is. It's, it, it comes through the channels to communicate to all types of people, believers and non-believers. And there is a message out there that is pulling people away from God. And, that's why, and we have to be so careful that we are not listening to this, this message. Verse 6, We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. 
John is writing this because of, we don't know what church this, he's writing this to. He's writing this to a church, and apparently this church is struggling with worldliness. And they're thinking, who do we listen to? Do we listen to what John is sharing about Jesus in the biblical truth? Or do we listen to these uh, different teachings and things all around us in culture? They're, they're, they're in this torn arena of, I don't know what to do. I don't know which direction to go in. It's a struggle here. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. There it is. That's the contrast. The spirit of truth is from God. That is our Bible. That's who we as Christians follow. And then there is the all other spirit is the spirit of deception. So, for us as Christians, now we're going to put this very practical. There are what we call foundational truths. I'm going to put them up here on the screen. We're going to go through each one of them. These are things that we would consider non-negotiable. Non-negotiable means we don't, we don't give in on these things. These are foundational truths of what it means to be a believer. Once you start giving up one of these truths, you are going down a road that's going to take you away from the Lord. And it goes wherever it wants to go. And these are, these are non-negotiable truths that we have to put our feet down and saying, this is what the Bible says. So number one, so we're going to go through these foundational truths. Number one is creation. Folks, we did not evolve from apes. If you're in school and you're learning that you came from a monkey, you have to realize that is the spirit of deception. So where does that come from? That's in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. God is our creator. This is a message we teach, have to communicate. This is creation. The Lord is a creator. He created everything around us. He did it in six days, and then He rested. And that's all the work He's done. He's done. He, he did His work. He took off. He's still off. He created the week for us, saying, I work for six days, I take a day of rest, and my creation, He says, is very good. Everything flows from God and His creation. He gave us life. This is why we're pro-life on the abortion issue. Because on the sixth day, God created man and woman. They came from God. So when we destroy His creation, we are destroying something that God created. This is, this is why it's so important for us to understand evolution is false. We believe in in creation, that God is our Creator. So that is what we call a non-negotiable. If you give in on that, and you believe you came from a monkey, right there, you're already working from a hole. You've already given up that God is your Creator. This is something you have to teach your children and your grandchildren. Folks, I know this sounds so simple, but this is a foundational truth. Creation. We came from God. He is a good creator in what He did. We constantly have to teach this in Sunday school. We teach this at home. We, when we see uh, the Grand... I haven't seen the Grand Canyon. You see the Grand Canyon? You think this was created by the Lord. We tell the story of how God... He, had a, he, took, he formed Adam from the dust of the earth. And he created Adam. Adam named the animals. 
the ape and monkey you claim humans are told they came from, Adam actually named that animal an ape. Adam gave the ape his name. That came from the Lord. came from Adam, the creation of the Lord. Okay, number two. And this is probably of all these issues, this is the hot topic issue today. You know, things vary. hundred years ago, it would have been creation. Now, it's number two, which is sexuality. On this past Friday, we have two wonderful schools right here, Dunbar and Lafayette. There was a protest, a walkout. I believe it was 11 o'clock, because I have one of the parents here, grandparents, call me or, or from her church telling me what was going on. I didn't know about it. Say, Daniel, people are walking out of the school in, in protest of something going on in Frankfurt over LGBT plus issues. I'm sure y'all saw this on the news. And uh, they're carrying uh, a pride and rainbow flag in, in support or in opposition to something there. And they were concerned about it. God created man and God created woman. And we are not to change our genders. We are not to practice homosexuality. We are not to uh, jump on board the LGBTQ plus train, wherever that goes, and it will keep at going wherever it he heads. Folks, we stand on biblical sexuality. Men are good, created by the Lord. Women are good, created by the Lord. And it is God's will, according to Genesis 2.24, that a young man grows up and a young woman grows up. They meet each other. They get married, a man and a woman. One man and one woman. And they create a family. And they have children. And then the, the life cycle of earth just repopulates over and over and over and over. That is God's will for us. There is that, there's no deviating from that. This entire sexuality, transgender movement, that, is a, that goes against a foundational truth. Folks, not only that, it goes against biology. God created biology and science. God, science is on the Christian side because it's a truth from the Lord. One plus one will always equal two. God created math. Biology was created by the Lord. We don't back down from science. It supports what the Bible says. And so what happens is when, when we are going about our lives, and this is a massive issue today, and your children, your grandchildren, they will have to deal with this. You will deal with this at work, and you say, no, that's, I'm not, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to uh, jump on board with that train. You, you shouldn't be waving, a, unfortunately, you know, God created the rainbow actually after the flood to remind the entire world that He will never again flood the earth when Noah got off the ark. To say, I will never again destroy the earth. So we know we're not going to be destroyed by the flood because God gave us a rainbow. Well, the rainbow has been hijacked today into a pride flag. So if you are waving the pride flag, you're telling the world that you affirm this LGBTQ issue. So you don't want to go down that road because you're, you're messing with the foundational truth. And children and teenagers and young folks who want, maybe that you know somebody who wants to change genders, you want to tell them, no, it's good that God created you a man. It's good that God has created you a woman. You go back to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, it speaks to these foundational truths. This is an issue for us as Christians we don't give in for. So when we talk about the spirit of deception, today I would say sexuality, that's probably the number one issue 
that's being hit today. And you have to know where you stand. We live in a day, you can't hide anymore on your beliefs. And you should not be embarrassed to say, you know, I believe the Bible. I believe what the Bible says in Genesis 2.24, how God created a man and woman, they're the only people who should be getting married together. That is a truth of the Scripture. Moving along here, other foundational truths. The virgin birth of Christ. He is God's Son. Jesus came from Virgin Mary, and His Father is God. Born in Bethlehem. That is a foundational truth. He is not just some great teacher. He is not someone who is just like us, who just decided one day he wanted to start a religion. He came from the Lord. That is who Jesus Christ is. Once you start removing that, you are going down a road that you take away Jesus' virgin birth and that He's no longer God's Son, then you can start stripping away other teachings from Jesus. This is, a, an, again, foundational truth. Next one here. The atonement death of Christ. This is coming up for Easter in about, about 40 days or so. 43 days. Jesus Christ died on a cross as what we call the substitutionary atonement for us. Meaning, He died in our place. We, because of our sin, are worthy of death. Jesus died on this cross for you, for I, for the entire sins of the world. It's an atonement. He took our sins on the cross. This was His purpose on earth. He was created for this very purpose. God stepped into the world to die so we can be saved. That's what we call the atonement. That's what we talk about on Good Friday, right before Easter. This is a central doctrine of Christianity. This is the death of Christ. And it's not just He just died. He died for you. This is very important for us. Then the resurrection of Christ. Jesus rose again. He is alive. He is in heaven. He came back on a Sunday morning. That's what Easter is all about. And then 40 days later, He ascended up into heaven from the Mount of Olives. And Jesus right now, where is Jesus Christ? He is in heaven, at the Bible says, at the right hand of God. That's where He is. Right here on earth is the Holy Spirit. But where is Jesus? He's in heaven with the Lord, His Father. So, he resurrected. This is important for, very important for us because when we pass away, we are resurrected too. Why? Because Jesus is resurrected. We are saved by Jesus and He brings us into heaven because you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The resurrection of Christ gives us hope and assurance that we also are going to be resurrected in Him. Foundational truth. Next one here. This is actually why you're a Baptist. You all wouldn't think this is a foundational one, but it's actually true. The Lord's Supper and baptism. Say, why is that a foundational truth? Back, do you know what? You're actually in a Baptist church right now, in case you stumbled in this morning. Say, where am I? What am I doing here? This is a Baptist church. Baptists were created, or not created, founded about 400 years ago. And the reason why is because they broke away from the Church of England that was teaching that baptism could save you. So what was happening is folks were getting sprinkled and baptized as infants and adults and they were saying, well, let's just start baptizing all of England and you get baptized and you go to heaven. And folks started reading their Bible and go, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not what the Matthew chapter 3 says. 
And baptism is what we call an ordinance. We will actually, I've got four people right now lined up to, waiting to get baptized. So we're going to have a baptism service very soon. Baptism is showing your old life going under the water and your new life coming up. It's a picture of what God has done in your life. It does not save you, but you need to do it. You need to do it not because I said so. You need to do it to be obedient to Jesus. No one in the Old Te- no, New Testament, no Christian, refused to get baptized. There was only one person in the New Testament, and that was a thief on the cross. He got saved. The only reason he didn't get baptized is because he was nailed to a cross, and he died the same time Jesus died. He literally could not get baptized. Everyone else in the New Testament received believers' baptism. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Now listen, if Jesus can get baptized, there's no reason for you not to be able to get baptized. We have our invitation in a little bit. You've never been baptized. You need to walk this aisle and take my hand and say, Pastor, I want to be baptism number five person. I want to join your next group. We are getting baptized to be obedient to the Lord. But if you go in many churches, and here in our community as well, they will teach you that baptism saves you. But nowhere in the Bible do we see that. Baptism is something of a symbol. It's showing as an identity. It's like an initiation, saying, I am part of the family of God. It's a picture. You're doing it for an audience of one, and that's the Lord. That's who you're doing it. Not doing it for anyone else. That's why we receive baptism. Same with Lord's Supper. We'll be celebrating Lord's Supper in three weeks. We'll have the opportunity to have the Lord's Supper and we identify with Christ. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of Me. This is a foundational truth because a lot of folks will be get, start teaching that Lord's Supper and baptism save you and go to heaven. Not at all. We have to know the correct teaching as Christians on this doctrinal truth. This is another hot one here. This is so important. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Christ alone. I say that's a hot-button issue because there are so many people today, the messaging of our world today is you just be true to yourself, you believe whatever you want to believe, and you can go to heaven. If that other uh, member of that other faith is sincere, God will see the sincere to their heart, and they get a ticket into heaven. Not at all. Jesus makes it so clear. Salvation is Christ alone. Only by Jesus Christ are we saved. He is our only hope. We cling to this. This is central to our faith. Number Next one here. Jesus is coming again. We are waiting for Christ's second coming. Could be today. Could be in 500 years. We don't know. All we know is He's coming again. He's coming again for His church. He's coming again to defeat the devil. There is a purpose in Jesus' second coming. The Bible tells us He comes twice. Evangelism and missions. Lost people must hear the Gospel. This is what we do as Christians. When someone doesn't know the Lord, we have to communicate the truth to them. And there's so many people around here that do not know the Lord. We live for evangelism is telling a lost person about Jesus. That's it. And you can invite them to church. You invite them to Wednesday night Bible study. You give them a gospel track. You can ask them, says, hey, have you ever been saved? You do personal evangelism? Any possible way, you're always communicating biblical truth. 
And we are commanded by the Lord, the Great Commission, to do that. That is a non-negotiable. That's what we're, uh, we're here for, the Lord, but then we're here to serve the Lord. That is God's will for us. And then we cannot, this is our last foundational truth that we stand on. This has to do with our Bible we're reading here. The Bible is the Word of God without error. We hold to this book right here. It is without error. We do not believe there are errors in this Bible. We don't believe this is something that can change. This Bible is complete. We believe all 66 books of this Bible are inspired and given to us from the Lord so we can know the Lord and be saved for the Lord. That is the purpose of the Scriptures. That's why it's so important for us to read the Bible. That's why our church family this whole year is going through the Bible. That's why you at your house want to have family devotions with the Bible. That's why you come to church to have a sermon from the Bible. It's, the, it's, this, it's how we know the Lord. He has given us this book with that purpose. These are foundational truths, non-negotiable. Now, say, Pastor, what are some other, what would be uh, some secondary and peripheral uh, items? These are non-foundational truths. But you know, the sad things about these truths here, churches fight over, I'm going to have to list four of them. These are the things people fight over in church. First one here is worship styles. You know, our church has two worship services. People like different types of music. And it's easy to bicker over that. You know, that's something, it's, it's, it's a road you can go down is fighting over what type of music, what type of songs we're going to sing. That is not a foundational truth. Different types of music appeal to different types of people, but the purpose of all the music is they all honor and praise the Lord. That's the goal of the music. That's something that you can, that's a secondary issue. Not only that, when is Jesus returning? We can fight over and disagree over when Jesus is coming. He might come back tonight. Or He might come back next week. We do not know. We don't know all the circumstances. The book of Revelation has not been fulfilled yet. And it's a challenging book to follow exactly some of the events going on in Revelation. So we should not sit there and stake our feet in the ground saying this is exactly what's going to happen to fulfill prophecy. All we know is Jesus is coming back again and there's going to be some tough times leading up to that. Could the earthquake earlier this month been one that was, Jesus tells us there's going to be great earthquakes leading up to the second coming. The one in Turkey earlier this month. Could that have been an earthquake? It could have. Might not have. We don't know. But for us to spend hours and weeks and years studying every little uh, event like that, we're missing the purpose of what Jesus has us here on earth for. We're here on earth to worship the Lord and tell lost people how to be saved. That is the ministry of the gospel. Not to try to look for clues and figure things out when He's coming back in. Church events. People fight over church events. They do. They disagree. There's all sorts of type of church events and ministries and it's easy to, to fight over this secondary issue on what we as a church should be doing. What's most important is we're honoring the Lord and reaching lost people. Now, there's a million different types of events that you can do that to reach lost people. And then also in churches, you can never forget about this, churches fight over money. Fighting over money. You never can get away from that. Or How do we spend the Lord's money? And that's an important issue, but it's, it's not the most important thing. You can always look back and go, oh, we spent too much here. We should have done this. We should have done that. These issues in churches, sadly, this is the type of stuff 
that runs people out of church, that breaks apart families and friendships. And it's secondary and peripheral issues. Foundational truths here. Testing the spirits. Those first things, the resurrection of Christ, Jesus dying on the cross, evangelism and missions, the Bible's Word of God, that is stuff. Those are the issues that we do not give in on. And I think it's important for us to know when, when you're talking to someone or you're listening to something on TV this afternoon, if they're teaching you and they're communicating a truth that goes against one of these foundations, you have to stop and say, this is the spirit of deceit. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. How is this communicated today? Personal choice. We hear that word all the time. Love who you were born to love. Absolutely. That is something that is a lie that we hear. Whoever you were born to love, you just do it. If that's what she wants to believe, that's, she, she's old enough, she's a consenting adult, let her believe it. And what happens is people take personal autonomy and they will hold that as the highest goal in life. Whatever they choose to believe, and that will lead you down a road of breaking all of these foundational truths. And folks, that is what lost men and lost women today look like. Personal choice and personal autonomy is held the highest. Now flip over in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. This is going to be our last scripture here. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look here at how we live today. How we take the, these principles and apply them. This is what we call the take-off, put-on principle. And it also teaches us in the Scripture that how we know truth is it comes from Jesus. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Gentiles are lost people. That's what the Bible's talking about. When it's talking about the Gentiles, it means people who are not believers. So a lost man in 2023 would be considered a Gentile in the Scriptures. So we don't walk that way. Our walk is different. We walk with the Lord. And look at this. You don't walk as the Gentiles do and the futility of their thoughts. Meaning, people who do not know the Lord do not think straight. So by default, these people, lost people, they are, their thinking is warped. It's wrong. And it's breaking God's law. So they are, look at this, darkened in their understanding. Meaning they're dark. They, they can't think straight. They do not know. Lost people do not know biblical truth. And I want to say, it's teaching us, it's saying, you need to be careful who you're listening to all the time because if someone does not know the Lord, they have a dark mind. Now, I'm going to step on some of your toes, but many of us, we listen to podcasts, because I'm a podcast listener too. Like Ben Shapiro. He's a Jewish man. He has a lot of good practical thoughts, but that gentleman, he's not saved. So when you're listening to somebody like Ben Shapiro, just remember men. I know a lot of guys here listen to him. You're listening to someone who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your thoughts, your mind has been darkened. Because there's a lens, we have, there's a worldview. We have to look through the world. And that worldview is Jesus. 
That is our foundation. That's what he's telling us here, verse 17 and 18. They're darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of, look at this, the hardness of their hearts. That's why people are lost. They have a hard heart. They love their personal autonomy. They love their personal choice, their personal life more than they love the Lord. You know why people don't want to get saved? You talk to a lost man here just driving by this road right now and you say, son, you need to get saved. They don't want to give up what they're, the things they're doing. They enjoy waking up and doing any anything they want for the day with no accountability. That is what a hardened heart and a darkened mind looks like. Jesus Christ, if you are saved, you are saved from that. You are saved for the Lord and from that old life. Our mind is now a, the mind of Christ. He is the one, those foundational truths. That is what should flow from your thinking. Because the ignorance of them and the, because of the hardness of their hearts, they became calloused and gave themselves over promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with the desire for more and more and more. And I want to tell you, that's the problem with our culture. It doesn't end. It just, it's more and more and more. It can't end. You never, sin is never satisfied. It always takes you farther than you want it to go. You start dabbling in sin, you start going down a road, you get involved in an immoral relationship, it will always take you farther than you want to go, and it costs you always more than you wanted to pay. It costs you your marriage, it costs you your children, it costs you your soul. That's what sin does to you. That's what he's talking about here. This desire. Remember last week, <coughs> we looked at the study of Cain. Remember, Cain said, or the Lord said to Cain, He says, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Meaning, it's alive. It just pulls people away from God. Folks, we as Christians, we have to be aware of this. This is, this is understanding that this is the daily battle. This is why knowing truth is so important in your life. But that you, I'm in verse 20, last, last four verses here. But that you now, but, but that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about Him, and you were taught by Him, look at this, as the truth is in Jesus. There's where your truth is, it's in Christ. Our truth is in Jesus. To take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That's where the renewal comes. It comes with your thinking. You want to know the Lord and be closer to the Lord? You ask for it, Lord, renew my mind. Remove this hardness. Remove this garbage that's polluting me. And put on a new self. The one created, it goes back to creation right there, how God created us. Created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. I tell you, there is no better verses that tell us how to live than right there. You put off this old way of life that has totally corrupted your mind and created a hard heart, and you put on the mind of Jesus Christ. It's, this, you, it's it, you, the Spirit of the Lord. You take what God has given us. We take these foundational truths. We take Scripture. And church, we dwell on this. So tying all this in together... What does all this mean? This means, who are we following? And every message we hear, you want to become more like Christ, 
If you want to overcome and defeat sin in your life, and you want to stand on the foundational truths, Broadway, we have to step back and evaluate, who am I listening to? On the radio? On TV? On the internet? And, and run it through the lens of the Word of God and of the truth of Jesus Christ. And folks, if it doesn't line up, if it doesn't match up, you need to say, I'm putting off this. Ephesians chapter 4 says you put this off, meaning it does not belong in your life. Now this morning, we're about to close with our invitation. We're going to respond to Jesus. Many of you here have, have developed a hardened heart towards the Lord. And the way you do it is you have allowed these things in your life, the voices, the messaging, the communication to speak deceitful lies of the devil. And you need the Lord to cleanse your mind, saying, Lord, renew my heart. Make, put a steadfast spirit in me, as David cried out. And you want the gift of discernment, distinguishing between the spirits. That list I gave you, foundational truths, if you've given in on any of these foundational truths, you need to repent and return to the Lord and say, God, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing has been wrong. It has been in contrast to what the Bible says. And an invitation is an invitation for us to get right with God. And we're going to respond. I talked about baptism. Some of you need to get baptized. You need to be contestant number five to get baptized. We're going to have baptism soon. And you're responding to God and saying, yes. I talked about the resurrection. That's another foundational trait. That means you're saved. Because Jesus came out of the tomb. You also give your life to Christ. And you know when you pass away, you too will experience the resurrection. You want to get saved this morning. You want to get baptized soon. You come walk this aisle and take my hand and say, Pastor, I'm responding to what God has been speaking to me this morning. So I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. I'm going to invite our deacon of the week to come forward. Come stand up here with me. We're going to respond to the gospel. This is our opportunity. Come take, our, take my hand and say, I'm giving my life, giving this sermon, giving my decision, my mind to the Lord. So we're going to respond to the gospel. and We're going to sing, Jesus paid it all.